Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. We're wrapping up this series, Sex Ed, and the the main overarching theme for the whole series has been one thought, and I'm sure you're tired of hearing it, but here it is. This is the one thought, is that great and godly sex starts between the ears before it's ever between the legs. Great and godly sex starts between the ears before it's ever between the legs. Why do we say this? We say that the way we think about sex matters. If you have right and holy thoughts about sex or about anything in general, then you will, it will lead to right actions, right? If we're thinking properly about it. What that means is that there is a wrong way to think about sex. And we have an enemy who hates us, who has been lying to us for years. He hates us because we are close and near and dear to the heart of God. And so he hates us and he has been lying to us for years about sex specifically because he wants us to have wrong thinking. He wants us to act in a way that is against God's best for us. And so Here's what the Bible says about the devil, about our enemy. It says that when the devil lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He has been lying to you about sex for years. Our cultures and our communities and our generations have been impacted since the very beginning when he assaulted Adam and Eve's sexuality in the garden. This is what the Bible says about Jesus in John 8, 32. He says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What does that mean? That means when we know God's best for us, when we know what his plan and his design is for us, then we will live lives that are free. Free from what? Free from pain, free from shame, free from, from the pain of sin that sin wreaks in our lives. We will be free. We can be free to love others, free to love God, and free to love our spouses. So the enemy comes into our lives to do three things, to steal, kill, and destroy. And to do that, he has to have a plan. So I'm going to give you, if you're taking notes, Satan's plan of attack. It's a three-pronged plan. Here it is quite simply. The first thing that Satan is going to do, and today we're talking just to the single people, by the way. How many of y'all are single out there? Let me see your hand. Shoot it straight up. Hi. Let me see. Come on. Hands up. All right. Now, hands down. How many of you single people would like to have a godly marriage someday? Shoot your hands up. Now, keep them up high. Keep them up high. All you single people, look around. Maybe you make kind of a connection. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And you're welcome. (laughs) So today we are talking about the single people and uh, how Satan plans to attack them. In the past couple weeks, we talked about marriage and how he's attacking our kids, their sexuality. But today we're focusing just on you guys. So here's the three-pronged plan of attack from Satan. The first thing he's going to do, single people, is to lure you from the path. He's going to lure you from God's path. What does that mean? Well, God has a plan for your life. He has a best, and he has a plan for you. And when you do it his way, he blesses it. But when you get off the path, that's when we wind up in the world of sin. We wind up damaging our futures and ourselves. And so Satan is going to lure you off God's path. The second thing he's going to do is train you for divorce. He's going to train you for divorce so that someday when you are married, you'll have practiced divorce all this time and you'll just be ready to call it quits at the first hint of a problem in your marriage. 
The third thing he will do is to rob you of all hope. He doesn't want you believing that there can be a better tomorrow. He doesn't want you believing that God can make things different in your life if you choose to do things his way. He wants to rob you of all hope. So as he lures you from God's path, what's he going to do? How will he do it? Well, the first thing he's going to do is tell you, don't buy into this religious stuff. That's old school. Like, come on, you've got a brain and you can figure it out. There's more and more people leaving the church, he's going to tell you. Nobody believes in that anymore. All the cool kids are doing it. You know, you've got a brain. I mean, like, sex feels great, so why not do it? Just go for it, man. It's awesome stuff. And if you aren't having sex, you know, porn is really good. You can just watch some porn. I mean, honestly, you're not hurting anybody. You're not sleeping with anybody. So why not watch some porn or take care of business yourself? I mean, like, you know, it's no big deal. It's what he's going to tell you. Do whatever feels good. Feed those lustful desires. And all of these things, as you engage with them, will take you off of God's path It'll take you away from his best for you. And as he lures you away, there's something that Satan doesn't want you to know about sex. The first thing he doesn't want you to know as he lures you away is that what we do today affects our tomorrow. What we do today affects our tomorrow. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know that there are consequences for your actions. But what we do today affects our tomorrow. He wants you to believe that you can have sex without consequences. He wants you to believe that you can jump from bed to bed without it hurting you at all. But that's not what our Bible tells us. Paul the Apostle wrote to the, the church in Galatia, in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 7 through 8. He says, do not be deceived. Now, that's, that should be your first indication that, hey, I need to pay attention to this. Because there is somebody out there lying to me. Do not be deceived. Pay attention. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In other words, what God says will happen, will happen. A man will reap what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. So what does your enemy want you to believe? He wants you to believe that as long as you're having sex and having protected sex, being smart about it, that there are no consequences. He wants you to believe that the consequences are simply disease or pregnancy. But you're like, well, I don't have any diseases. I didn't give any diseases. And nobody's pregnant, so it's no problem. There's no consequences. But what the enemy doesn't tell you is that they don't make a condom for your heart. Think about that for a second. They don't. We talked in the past couple weeks that sex is sticky, Sexual sin is messy. You can't guard your heart because sex affects you not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. There are those kinds of consequences for having sex. Sex is more than physical. Reminds me of a story. There's this, this 14-year-old boy who comes to his mom and, and says, Mom, I, I want to go see this movie. It's, uh, it's PG-13. She says, okay, let me, tell me about the movie. He says, well, he said, it's this, it's this comedy, you know, and my friends are going, and everybody's seen it, and uh, I really want to see it really bad. And, and he, she says, so what, what kind of content's in it? Well, you know, it, it's about these guys, they go on an adventure. I mean, there's, there's some crude sexual humor in it, but just, just a little bit. 
It's just a little bit. And there's, there's a couple naked butts in it from what I, what I understand. But I mean, it's just, it's butts. It's not like it's full frontal nudity, mom. So it's, it's, it's just a little bit. She thinks, she says, okay, you can go see that movie. But before you go to the movie, I'm going to make you some brownies, your favorite brownies. And uh, I'm going to give you a plate of them that you can eat before you go. And I'm going to put some in a bag and you can take them. You can kind of sneak them in. That'll be fine. Kid gets excited, but he knows he has a couple chores he needs to do. He's got a shower. He's got to get ready. So he goes off to do those things. And when he's finished, he comes to his mom, and mom's got a plate of brownies ready for him. He's like, oh, this is going to be awesome. He grabs a brownie and takes a big bite of it, shoves it in because he loves mom's brownies. They're so good. My mouth is salivating because I'm thinking of my mother's brownies. As soon as he gets that bite down and in his mouth, he begins to retch. I can hardly, <coughs> I can't even, if you've been here for a while, you know I got a weak stomach, I can't do this kind of stuff. <coughs> the mom, but the mom said, he's like, what did you put in those brownies? She said, well, nothing, nothing much. I mean, I made the brownies the ones you like. She said, but I did add extra something, a little, just a little bit of something extra this time. He said, what did you do? She said, well, I went out back, and I found a dog turd, and I cut it up, and I put it in the, it was just a little one. It was just a little bit, and I mixed it into the brownies. It's just a little bit. Did you get my point? How many naked butts are, are enough naked butts? How much is too much? Well, we're talking about a dog turd. How much are you willing to ingest to allow into your life? But look what, look what Paul says. Because he knows that what we do today affects tomorrow. Even the small choices that we make lead to consequences. So small ones. Paul says in Ephesians 5.3, he says, But among you there must not be even a hint. Not a little bam, take it up a notch. Nothing. Not even a hint of sexual immorality. Now, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, we learned what sexual immorality is. See, our Bibles are written in two original languages. The Old Testament's Hebrew. New Testament is Greek. We're in the New Testament, and the Greek word for sexual immorality is the word pornea. Recognize the word? Porn, pornography, pornea. And what it means, that Greek word pornea means illicit sex, including adultery, incest, premarital sex, or any extramarital sexual arousal. So when Paul says there can't be a hint, there, that means there can't be any extramarital sexual arousal. That's outside of marriage. There's no watching the show with a few naked butts. There's not reading the magazine that tells you 17 ways to make your boyfriend go wild in bed. There's avoiding and not looking at that Facebook profile pic or searching everybody's Instagram to find those bikini pics that, oh, you like to look at. It means not a hint of extramarital sexual arousal. Man, that's a rough standard, isn't it? He says avoid those things. Not a hint. Let me give you guys a, an opportunity to participate again. We're gonna give you, I'm going to give you a chance to say yeah or nah, all right? So let's practice the yeahs on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah. 
All right, um, um, we're going to practice the nahs on one, two, three. One, two, three. Nah. Nah, that's good. <laughs> nah. All right, so I'm going to give you a chance to answer yeah or nah to this. Now, if you don't know me, I'm married. I've been married for 11 years. I have a beautiful wife. But let's imagine that my wife goes out of town for the weekend. She takes the kids and she leaves and she gets to Kentucky to visit her family. And while she's there, I call her up and I said, babe, do you care if I have a girl come over and just have wild sex with her? All right, on the count of three, if you think my wife's going to say yeah, let me hear the yes, okay? One, two, three. No, no, that's not your chance. No, no, I said yes. All right, if you think my wife's going to say nah, one, two, three. Yeah, she's going to say nah to the ah to the no, no, no. That's my woman. And then she will cut me. She will drive home and she will cut me. What if I did this? What if I just said, babe? What if, all right, sex is off the table. What if we just kind of mess around a little bit? What if I have her over, no sex, we just mess around? We, we visit the heavy petting zoo, right? We look, we touch, but we don't insert. There's none of that happening. We, we climb the steps of the temple and look in at the holy grail, but we don't go in. We have a little naked Cirque du Soleil, you know what I mean? you think she's going to say, yeah, give it to me on three, one, two, three? If you think she's going to say, nah, give it to me on three, one, two, three? Nah. Yeah, she's going to say, nah. What, <laughs> what, what if I just say, all right, all right, let me compromise because I'm really good at compromising. I'm, I'm Jewish, you know, after all, and I can negotiate a little bit. <laughs> all right. No sex. No just fooling around. How about we just, how about we just cuddle? How about we just hold each other? Little spoon in action going on. How many of you feel like she's going to say, yeah, one, two, three? How many feel like she's going to say, nah, one, two, three? Nah. nah. And then she's going to cut me again. <laughs> so you're all saying no because you understand what the Bible says. You understand the Bible says that marriage should be honored by all. That means singles and marrieds. That's all. Everybody should honor it. We also know that the marriage bed, biblically, should be kept pure. And if we go with this line of thinking, you say that that's not okay for you, Aaron, because you're married. Those things that you're wanting to do with that girl that is not your spouse, well, those should be reserved within the marriage covenant, within your marriage. Those are the things you should do with your spouse. If you would say that, if you're really going to go down that path and say those are the reasons, those would be wrong for you, Aaron then I have to ask you, why is it okay for you single people to do it? Because your actions today have consequences. You say, well, I'm not married. Someday you might be. And every action that you take, every, every act of sex that you have now will be against your spouse at some point in time. We're to honor and keep the marriage bed pure. See, because you can't be having all kinds of sex today as a single person, and think that you're going to walk into your marriage being, being faithful, being pure, being clean, being honest. Those things don't just happen overnight. They start long before you are ever married. 
You don't get to walk into marriage. You don't get to hop from bed to bed and not have any consequences. The good news is, is that the power of Christ can set you free from such decisions. Otherwise, the truth is, is you'd be making a bed that you do not want to lay in. And Satan will lure you away from God's best by telling you that our actions don't impact tomorrow, but they do. And as Satan is, is, is going, as we go through the rest of his plan, he's going to train you for divorce. And as he does that, what he doesn't want you to know about marriage is that marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. See, what he's doing is, is he's, he's breaking down the definition of marriage. You say, how's he doing that, Aaron? How's he lying to us? Because I haven't heard anybody say that marriage is no good. No, but you're watching it on TV. You can't watch any television shows at all today where the main characters aren't instantly having sex with somebody that they break up with to create the drama that we are so interested in. And then they start sleeping around with other people in their groups. They've been doing it on 6 o'clock, like the, the TV shows that air at 6 o'clock. They've been doing it for years since the 90s. Now, nowadays, TV's just a little more graphic. We see a little more. But it, it's been happening the whole time. We are being trained for divorce. We're being trained that if a relationship doesn't work out, I'm out. If there's a problem that comes up, deuces, See you later. We're being trained by, by what we see. And people are getting together and they are pretending to be married. They are doing married things. And all of this together is breaking down the meaning of marriage in our culture and in our minds. They live together. They share life together. Maybe they buy things together. Maybe you've got a drawer at her house or he's got a toothbrush at yours. You're sharing life together. And when you break up, it's like divorce. Because you gotta start separating your things and if you maybe accrued some debt together or maybe you bought a puppy together or, or maybe you got a kid together or you bought a TV, you start fighting over who gets all that stuff, it's like a divorce. You're being trained to practice it over and over and over again. And then one day when you get married, when things get difficult, You'll do what you've been trained to do, and that's head straight for divorce. You'll head straight for divorce. You think if the sex isn't that good, I can bail. If he stops giving me the attention that I need, I can bail. Instead of going to a counselor and working through our difficulties and learning to understand each other, I can bail. I have nothing, no skin in the game, no commitment to it, because we think of it like a contract. But marriage is not a contract. It is a covenant. Genesis 2, 24 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. See, a contract is an agreement, but a covenant is where two people become one. They unite. Sex is sticky. We talked about that this past couple weeks. Through the act of lovemaking between a husband and wife, you bond and fuse together. It's an incredible mystery. But that's what's happening when you're doing that. You're becoming one. And when you become one, you were never intended to be separated. If we were to define what a covenant means, a covenant is an unconditional surrendering of your rights 
while you're increasing your respon- while increasing your responsibilities. It's unconditional surrendering of your rights while increasing your responsibilities. When Shanda and I got married, it was an unconditional thing. We agreed we were never going to talk about divorce. That word is not to be put on the table at all, ever, in our marriage. We will work through whatever we need to work through. No matter what, how we sin against each other, we decided this is unconditional till death do us part. Now, I might do something that gets me uh, dead a little quicker, but, <laughs> but it's still till death do us part. You know what I'm saying? But when I got married, I gave up my rights. I gave up my property. I gave up anything and everything that I wanted to do just for me. And what I did was I turned in, instead of facing my direction, I turned and faced her direction. And then she and I together faced a new direction together. We faced life differently, arm in arm. And I surrendered my rights when I say I laid down my life. It's not that I stepped in front of a bullet for her. It means that I literally laid down my desires, my plans, my, the, all about me. Because before I was married, it was all about me. I could go where I wanted, when I wanted. I didn't have to ask nobody. I didn't have to consider nobody. I didn't have to buy no groceries for nobody else. It was just me. But my responsibilities increased and my rights diminished. Because I needed to figure out and do what the Bible says. It says, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. And that meant that I needed to get close to Jesus and figure out how I'm supposed to love her the way he loves me. I'm supposed to be the spiritual head of my household. We've got kids, and I need to raise my kids and be a father to them and be present. That has affected my job choices, my traveling choices, the way I've spent money, the way I save money, the way that I live my life, my rights I've laid down. That's the covenant that is established within marriage. But a contract, on the other hand, a contract is very, very different. People approach marriage like a contract. A contract is a conditional agreement protecting your rights and limiting your responsibilities. A conditional agreement, protecting your rights, your individual rights. Whereas a marriage, you give up your rights. And a contract limits your responsibilities, whereas a covenant increases them. For years, I, 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 did, I was a, a magical entertainer. And I made lots of mistakes with my clients, and I learned from them. I learned the best way to protect myself as a performer was to get a contract. See, a contract protected me so that I knew when I went in what I was going to wear, so they knew what I was going to wear, what time I would arrive, when I would perform, and if they wanted extra time, how much it was going to cost them on the fly. So they knew that they had to pay 50% up front, and if they canceled within 24 hours, I was keeping that 50%. It's all about me, you see. And that before I performed, I got my, my other half of my money so that I didn't have to run and track you down and you didn't get to be too busy before I had to leave. This is all outlined in my contract. I protected my rights and limited my responsibilities. That's what a contract does. But in our, our marriage, we, when we look at marriage as a contract, we say, you know, if you don't do this, then the deal is off. This is all I'm going to bring to the table and no more. I'm going to keep my money. You keep your money. We're not going to work on this together. We're not going to face the same direction together. I'm going to go this way. We go that way. You go that way. And uh, we'll have sex occasionally. And uh, I'll pay my half of the bills. And you pay your half. And we do everything as an individual. I'm going to protect myself. This is all I'm going to bring to the table. And then what happens when all that doesn't work out? Well, we do what we've been practicing. We divorce. 
So what's his plan? What's Satan's plan? He wants to lure you from the path. Second thing he wants to do is train you for divorce. And the last thing he wants to do is rob you of hope. He'll rob you of hope by making sure you don't know this one thing, and here it is, that God is always trustworthy. See, when you can trust in him and place your hope in him completely, you don't lose hope. When you know that he's trustworthy, when you know that all things work to the good of those who serve him, in other words, he's got a plan for your life, no matter how you've messed it up or how other people have messed it up or what they've done to you or what you've done, he's got a plan. You can trust him. Come on, I'm preaching now, Miss Sylvia. I hear you out there. (laughs) Satan is a liar. He's been lying to us for years, trying to make you lose hope. Ladies, he tell you that you're not pretty enough to be married, that you're not good enough in bed, guys, that you, that you won't amount to anything, that, that you can't close the deal, that, that all your friends are getting married and make you believe there's something wrong with you. He'll try to trick you to believe that you'll always be alone, that you don't have what it takes. He'll sell you on the lie that, hey, there's good news. You'll always have porn in this thing with batteries, okay? You'll be fine. We're going to talk about it. Actually, I'm done talking about that. (laughs) One of Satan's greatest weapons against you is to rob you of all hope. He will rob you of hope, but God is trustworthy. Look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In how many ways? All ways. In every single way that you live your life, financially, relationally, sexually, mentally, emotionally, all your ways, acknowledge him. This word acknowledge in that, in that verse is translated from the Hebrew word, because remember we're in the Old Testament. It's yada. And if you, if you ever listen to Jerry Seinfeld, who is Jewish, by the way, He'll get into telling a story, and he'll get to a part that he's pretty sure you knows, and he goes, yada, 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 and then we went out here, and then yada, 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 you know. Yada means to know, to know intimately. Yeah, you, you understand this part of the story, so I'm going to move on to the next, yada, yada, yada. And this verse says to know him intimately. You're familiar with the details. You know his ways. In all your ways, know him, seek him, understand him, understand his plan for you, know him. This whole series, we've been talking about renewing our mind and understanding what God has to say about things. My question for you is, why would you settle for less than God's best? If you know that he's so good, and you know that he has a plan for you, and you know that he's trustworthy, why would you settle for less than his best for you in your life? Ladies, we, I, see, I see girls do this all the time. You go out and you get a bad haircut. Let me ask you a question. If you go out and you get a bad haircut, and you come home, what do you do for the next three months? You kind of hide. You don't want to go out in public, wearing lots of hats, pulling it back a lot. Do you go back to that same person who messed up your hair? No. No, you don't. And yet, ladies, you'll go back to a guy who isn't following Jesus, 
who's leading you away from him, leading you off of that path over and over again. You'll buy into his lies. You'll buy into the lies of the enemy. Guys, I know you don't care much about your hair, so let me ask you this. You want to get a dog, and you go to the pound, and you pick out a dog, and you put your hand in the cage to pet him, and he bites you, bites you deep. you got to go to the hospital and get some stitches. Do you go back to that pound, open that same cage up, and say, I'll take this one? No. No, you don't. You find yourself another dog. And yet, guys, you'll go back to a girl who hurts you over and over again. Over and over again. Settling. If you're a Christ follower in here, let me ask you a tough question. How is it you can trust God for your eternity? Which, by the way, it's much longer than this time you have here on this earth. Think about this. You will trust him with your eternity, but you can't trust him for your spouse. You can't trust that his plan for you is better than your way of doing things. But you're going you're gonna to tr- trust him for, for heaven, for eternity, just not right now. No matter what you've been through, no matter what your current situation is, God is faithful and he is trustworthy. You can trust him. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care where you've been. He has a plan for you, and you need to trust him in his plan because he is trustworthy. You know, I've kind of got a feeling not a lot of you have said much to me about being upset about this, but if you're here and maybe you're watching through Periscope or listening through the podcast and you're upset that we're talking about this kind of stuff, even the way I've been talking about it today, you're upset that we're talking about sex and some of the specifics of it, let me tell you something. I'm asking you, with as much respect as I can, pull your head out of the sand. We have an enemy who is talking about this subject on a regular basis. You cannot walk into a grocery store and go through a checkout line without seeing what he has to say about sex. We need to be talking about it. We need to be talking about it. Satan wants to lure us from the path of God's best. He wants to train us for divorce, and he wants to rob us of all hope. But I have a feeling that today you're going to decide to not settle. Why? Because you yada, God, you know him. You know that he has a plan for you, and you know what Ephesians 3.20 says about him and how it describes God. It says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. There's another translation that says, to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ever ask or imagine. I like that. Because as soon as you can imagine what single people, what your marriage will look like, he has got something way better than you ever imagined if you'll do things his way. If you'll do things his way. God is faithful. He is trustworthy. And he will do more than you can ever ask or think. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. First, I I, want to kind of talk to everybody in a broad way, not just the singles, but certainly for those of you that are here single today. Many of you, I would say today, maybe you've lost hope in one way or another. Not just in our sexuality, but in all things that the enemy wants to rob you of hope. Whether you're married or unmarried, not sure if you ever will be married, Maybe you've lost hope for your marriage. 
the one that you're in. You're, it's bad. And you believe that it will never get better. Maybe others have burned you. Maybe other believers have burned you and you're, you're like, how can I trust God if these are his people and they've hurt me this way? You've lost hope. You're emotionally drained. Your faith in God is struggling. And you want God to increase your faith today so that you can put your whole hope in him again. To trust him with all your heart. If that's you and you're here today, would you just lift your hands right now and say, Aaron, that's me. Pray for me. Thank you. I'm going to pray. Father, I, I thank you for the honesty of your children that are here today. Father, I pray that you would restore hope where it has been robbed from them. Lord, your word says that if the enemy be found, he has to restore sevenfold. Father, I pray that you would give them more hope than they've ever had in their hearts before. Hope that whatever it is you have for them, whatever plan you have for them, whatever that looks like, even if it's contrary to what we want right now, that we can trust you with it. Let hope rise in our hearts. Let us place our faith completely and wholly in you. So continue to pray. I want to I wanna just speak to those of you that are here today that maybe you're not a Christian. Whether you're single or married, you've been carrying the weight of the decisions of your past. Maybe you've even been divorced once or twice. Someone told you that God would never accept you because you've been divorced or because of what you've done, what you've, the sexual things that you've done in your life and the people that you've been with, where you've been. Someone's told you that your decisions would keep you from a loving God. While it is true that our sins separate us from God, he made a way <laughs> so that we could be forgiven. So that we didn't have to remain separated by our sins. See, he sent his son Jesus to this earth to live a sinless life, to be crucified on a cross. And why was he crucified? Why did he have to die? To pay a price for our sins that we could not pay ourselves so that you and I could be forgiven. And in that forgiveness, be made new, be brought into relationship with God, and be given eternity in heaven. Oh, he did all this for you. He doesn't care what you've done, where you've been. He doesn't care what your marriage has looked like. Today can be your day to turn everything around. Where you turn away from the way you've been doing things and decide and commit, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to learn how he would have me live my life. I'm going to learn how he would have me live out my sexuality and my marriage, my relationships, my finances, my community, all of it. You can make that decision today. You can know Jesus. All you have to do is confess your faith in him. The Bible says if you confess, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you want to be counted in on that prayer, to make Jesus Lord of your life, to turn from your ways to his, would you just shoot your hand up now and say, Aaron, that's me. I want to do that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can pray along with me. You can pray out loud or you can pray in your heart, but either way you just need to mean it. If you're watching by Periscope or listening by podcast, you can 
join us and pray with us right now. And I believe that God will meet you right where you're at. Don't miss your opportunity to know Jesus today. The prayer goes like this. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe you came to this earth. You lived a perfect, sinless life. That you died on a cross and rose from the dead three days later. You did all that, Jesus, to put your love on display for me. To show me how much you love me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Show me how to live for you and I'll spend every day doing just that. Be Lord of my life starting today. And I'll follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.